Hey everyone, I want to welcome you to today's podcast. I am so excited to have Eric Montoya on our call today. He's an incredible pastor at a church that he started in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And we were discussing on how do we handle the changing culture as a church. It is an incredible discussion. I hope you enjoy it. So let's jump into the coaching conversation. How I can help you today, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking some time. Um, yeah. So one of the things that we just recently, we, we uh, our church experienced a tragedy, right? A loss of a, a member in our church, close friend wow. and just one of our team members. And so mm. for me to learn, you know, just moving forward, if, uh, hopefully nothing like this ever happens again, but I'm sure there'll yeah. be different uh, scenarios that play out for myself, for other leaders. Right. I thought it'd be good just to uh, maybe learn things that maybe I've never learned before or be thinking through. Right. But when we when we face tragedy or crisis, um, you know, what what how do you work through that corporately and then also personally as a leader? Yeah. Well, yeah, man. First of all, sorry. I'm so sorry that happened, dude. That is that's rough. Anything, anytime you lose that, that is really really rough. Um, your question is more about how you respond to that and kind of how you lead through that moment. Is yeah. That, how do you lead through correct? Like, how do you lead yeah. the church corporately? Then also personally yeah. as a, as an individual, what do you, you know, work through, yeah. work on? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. You know, I, I think, uh, I think one of the greatest things, uh, and I've been through that before, you know, where you, where you face a tragedy in the church or you face a tragedy with someone that's close to you, but also close to the church, part of your leadership. I've been there. I remember specifically, I'm thinking of one specifically, and I think one of the greatest things, I don't think it's anything powerful or anything I'm about to tell you, but I think one of the greatest things is is taking it slow uh, with the people, letting them process. Everybody processes things a little bit differently. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm more of a person that processes a little bit faster. And so... So, you know, if I'm already rounding third, there's some people that are still trying to get to second. Um, and I'm not talking about processes and leadership, just processing in tragedy or whatever the case is. When you process too quickly, you come across as if you don't care. Uh, and so I think being really careful in how you process that, uh, I think is so important, you know, to make sure that you are moving along at a pace you're showing a heck of a lot of love to the family. You're moving along at a pace that is uh, slow enough uh, that people can process because as they kind of go through the grieving process, uh, it, everybody does that at a different pace. And so I think one of the things as a pastor is type A leaders tend to move a little faster uh, in everything. And, um, but you can't do that here. You have to move at a rhythm that makes sense to everybody else. Uh, and being able to lead in that way, I think is the important thing, Eric, you know, uh, there, I don't know if there's a perfect way of doing it. Uh, but you sure, you sure want to make sure that you process at a pace that, um, other people can catch up to and make sure that, uh, you're not moving so quick or otherwise I think you end up looking as if you don't care. And, and I think it ends up hurting people in the, in the, in the process, um, so that's how I think, you know, I, I always advise guys, man, take it slow, let the process move, you know, you don't want to linger forever on the, on the, you know, it's like three years later, <laughs> but that's, I'm not being disheartful, but, yeah. uh, but I think you also just, you just got to move at the, at the right pace. Uh, how are you processing it? You know, personally? Yeah. I th um, the first month I thought, you know, just really honest and authentic and, um, felt like I was really there for them. Like you said, move slow. Mm -hmm just be there, you know, and had no agenda, just was trying to be there for the, for the family, for the church as much as I could. Uh, yeah. And then it seemed like the second month, um, it was more of like um, going back to the theater, the, the different things in church, just kind of pull a lot of your attention. And so yeah. uh, uh, busyness. And so I think mm -hmm. in that 
I kind of felt like a little shut down in that moment. So, um, mm. in that month, I guess in this month, we're trying to figure that out, you know, let's not shut down. Let's make sure we're still uh, moving in the right direction. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, just corporately, that's the big thing, you know, trying to help the, the body, but then individually as, as a person, just kind of, let's give yeah. advice to slow down. And, Oh yeah, it would. And you know, you, you, uh, also you remember one thing is, is I, I think you always have to remember is that, um, you know, by month two, month three, month four, you know, you sort of get back into the rhythm of, you know, life and rhythm of, uh, church and ministry and all that. But there's the family members that are still waking up alone. Uh, and just keeping that in mind as well, I think is important. Have you found the church rallying around the family? Yeah. Our church has been beautiful. I think, um, uh, these moments is the church has opportunity to shine the brightest. And we've mm. definitely sent our in our community. It just uh, they've been incredible. Wow! So yeah. that's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, dude, I'm so sorry you went through. I really am sorry to go through that. I've, I've, I don't. There's no way to avoid that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just part of life, and it's part of being in leadership. It's how you handle it and moving at the right rhythms. I think is the important thing, uh, and not leaving that family to alone. Who, whatever the situation, married kids, whatever they got, you don't want to leave that leave that family alone. Uh, and, and I don't think we, I don't think we intentionally do that. I think that we can unintentionally do that. Uh, and we definitely don't want to do that. So man, I hope that's helpful for you, but man, I'm yeah. sorry you go through that. I really am. No, that, that, that's good. It's really good. Um, and I guess the other question is, um, you know, kind of in the season we're in, I think a different seasons call for different things. And, uh, what do you think, yeah. uh, right now, what do you think the church needs more of? What, what, wow. Wow. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on that. Uh, <laughs> Buckle up. No, shit. Uh, <laughs> what do I think the church needs more of? Oh, man. Um, well, let, 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 me, let me define that a little bit better. When you say the church needs more of, uh, what are you specifically speaking of? Just like, is there a certain area, a certain arena that you're talking about when the church needs more of? Yeah, like we're in a unique season, right? It's uh, 2022, about to go into 23. And just uh, in this season, in this climate, right, as a, as a world, as a nation, um, what is what the church like be focusing on, right? What of what do we need to be doing? Maybe thinking through uh, for this end of this year into next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me talk a little bit more on the. Uh, uh, I would I wouldn't say uh, not more the spiritual side, but more of the. I guess that would be the right word. I mean, I can get real practical with you, and and I I, can, I know one thing for sure that I've been sharing on on Fly on the Wall podcast is that you got to be. Um, I keep telling churches, hey, you got to focus on engagement over attendance. Engagement is the thing. It is the thing that will grow your church. It is the thing that will make things healthy. People used to want to believe before they belong. Now they just want to belong before they believe. Uh, and that's something I've been saying quite a bit. Um, I think that's one thing for sure. Uh, that's more on the practical side. Kind of kind of going a little bit deeper. Um, you know, I, I live in California. And the one thing that I've been promoting to people is, you know, with everything that's happening in our society and the changes that are being made uh, in our government. And I was just in Vermont just uh, a couple of days ago doing some speaking there. And man, they're, they're, they're passing some laws that are just insane. Uh, they're like, whoa, <laughs> I mean, mind blowing insane. Like really they're allowing that, you know? And I think what's happening is, is parents are going to protect mode. Hey, I'm going to put my take my kid out of the school and put them in this different system, and I'm going to protect them, which I think is important. I would say add one more word to that, and that is prepare. 
you don't just want to protect your children. You want to prepare your children. And I think that's something that is important in the church. Again, I, and that's, again, I, I can get real super practical with you. You know me, I can get real practical. Here's how you grow a church and here's how you grow leadership. But as the body of Christ, I think it's important that we are teaching, hey, we want to protect our children from some of the crazy things that are happening, but we also want to prepare them because at some point they're going to have to stand on their own two feet with their own faith and say, no, I don't live that way. No, I don't operate that way. I, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't match my faith. That doesn't match my belief. They're going to have to have their own uh, uh, backbone, if you will, spiritually to be able to say that. And so I noticed that, especially in California, you know, private schools are filling up like crazy. Uh, they do these little pods where kids kind of homeschool and get together, and everything is about protect, protect, protect. And I'm like, absolutely, I get that. But I also think that the church needs to be talking about how do we prepare our children so that they can stand on their own two feet. Um, that is something I think that is a, is a big sort of issue. Again, we can get real practical on our call here and just talk about like, here's how you grow a church. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Engagement over attendance and all the things that we could easily talk about. And if you want to talk about that, we can. But I think as a whole, maybe you'd agree with me, maybe you wouldn't. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I think we have to protect and prepare. Um, What's your thought about that? Just out of curiosity. Yeah. I think it's funny that a, a, a pastor from California is freaking out that uh, Vermont is passing laws that are crazy because <laughs> California has always led the way, right? We're, no, we definitely led the way. We're leading the way in crazy, that's for sure. Yeah, we're crazy laws. We're, um, yeah, we're, we come in first place on the crazy list. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. funny. No, I think, I think that's good because like, so for example, California, you guys are ahead of a lot of what the nation is facing, right? You've been facing this for, I would say, maybe years, even a sure. decade or so. So yeah. some of the things that you as churches and leaders have done, I think it would help the rest of the nation that is kind of behind the curve on that, right? So yeah. different parts of the middle, you know, the middle of the country, some of the Bible yeah. Belt. Now we're starting to face some of those things that really you guys have been facing for a long time. And so yeah. what were you doing in those years to kind of uh, prepare the people? I think that's great. Like you're saying, prepare the people uh, how to live yeah. out our faith, right, in the middle of this. and Yeah. And I'm with you. Like we can't just retreat. So how do we win our culture? Right. How do we uh, win people right. in the middle of this? Yeah. You know, I, I think that that's a good word that you use there. Eric. You can't retreat. And I don't think that's a good thing for us to do. Uh, I don't think it's good for us to, you know, just start yelling out comments on social media and doing all that. I've never seen anybody change political parties because they read a post on social media. Right. Uh, I don't ever see that, but, um, I would say it's preparing our people, preparing our children. That's a big thing in California. And and you're right. It's kind of interesting. You talked about the Midwest is like, you got the, you know, you got the West coast or East coast, whatever you got the other, the other coast. And there's kind of crazy in New York, crazy in California. And the more you move in, it, they're, they're kind of five to eight years kind of on the lag. Uh, but it's coming, you know, there are, I hope it doesn't, I pray it doesn't, but it's coming more into, you know, in Oklahoma and Alabama, and all of a sudden they're going to start feeling that. And I think protect, but also prepare our kids, but also our people. You, and using that word retreat, you can't retreat. You got to you gotta say, hey, man, we, you know, we're the body of Christ, and we're going to stand for what we believe in and not be afraid of that. And we're going to prepare our children to do that uh, because they're going to have to stand on their own two feet spiritually uh, at some point. I mean, age four, you don't have to, but at some point they're going to have to. Uh, and man, to be able to, to do that, I think is such an important part. Um, 
I, I think that is a that's a big part of it uh, is being able to do that and being ahead of it. The other thing is the one thing that I, I was interesting. I was talking to a guy uh, just recently on a flight. Uh, do a lot of flying, and I was on a flight with a guy that um, kind of was talking to me, and he was saying that. Um, he says, I don't know if I really believe in God or not, you know, and I, I just think people need to follow their own heart and their own choice. And I said, that does not work out at all. I said, and, and what was funny is I told the guy, I said, in your world, if you don't believe in God, in your world, who's the final authority? Uh, who's the final word? People just need to follow in their own heart. And I'm like, dude, have you been to some of the foreign countries that, cam- uh, you know, there's cannibals, there's, you know, we've, we've, we've seen what it looks like when you take the police away from a city and let people make their own choice. They clearly, someone's got to be the final voice. So I said, in your world, who's the final voice? And I take that, that little scenario, Eric, and I move that over into the local church. And I say, I say, man. I think it's important as people are dealing with the Republican and Democrat and this and that and all the different crazy laws that get passed and all the insane things that are happening. I think it's important that we minister to our people in such a way that we say this, who something's got to be the final word in your life. And you hold up and pretend this is the Bible. You hold up the Bible and you say something like, okay, this is Democrat. This is Republican. This is this, but this, this will be the final voice. And I think that's such a healthy place to go to rather than going down the trails of, of parties. Let's go down the trail of, okay, you might be this and you might believe that, whatever, but whether I think it's right or you think it's right, who's the final authority? So, man, those are things that I've been really pushing, you know, uh, is who's the final authority. I think that's part of the preparing and then protect and prepare. Uh, Getting people to that point where don't argue about what, what party you think or what law this or what law that just let's all decide one thing. In the end, there is one voice that will have the final say. Yeah, And to really get people there, I think is such an important part. That's good. I like that. So how did you like in the previous years, you know, cause you guys navigated this, what were you doing in, to intentionally do that as leaders? Right. Or what other churches you see in California that did that well over the last decade where, some of the things they were doing where they didn't get sucked into the culture war, right? That takes our attention off of, right. like you're saying, that that main voice of that one thing we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things is, and I think that we're, yeah, I think that we don't do good at it sometimes. One of it is not... Yeah, I, I'm a guy that loves to figure, you know, I'm all strategic, like figure out next steps, how to get people engaged, do all that. Like, I love all that stuff. I love being very practical too, very practical. Like, here's the Bible. Let's talk about your practical life, your marriage, your whatever. Get real, 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 real practical. I love that. But I do think, and I'm going to tell you this, I think that many churches, um, and I would say I, I, I would have to be included in that to a degree, that we, we, we didn't do a great job as we entered it. We ended up doing a great job a year or two or three or four in going into the pandemic. And what I mean by that is one thing I've said is this, is that people's, here's the thing, is people's faith, in my opinion, many people's faith was attached to their church attendance. And as soon as their church attendance was taken away because of a pandemic, so was their faith. And so... I think it's so important that we look and just say, at the end of the day, we've got to teach, disciple, 
train, lead, that at the end of the day, the Bible and God becomes our authority and that we find ourselves deep, deeply rooted in that. If, if our roots of our faith are based on, I belong to a tribe, which is important, and I belong to a church, which is important, and I go to church every Sunday, which is important. But if that's the extent of the faith, as soon as the tribe is split apart, as soon as to online or as soon as the, 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 uh, the, the attendance is split apart, then I think there comes the problem. So I think that, that the last few years has opened up a reality that maybe a lot of churches aren't seeing people come back at the level they would like because they weren't really d deeply rooted in who God was and in his word, they were more deeply rooted in, I belong to a tribe and I belong to a church, which is important, but that, that doesn't prepare people. Clearly that doesn't prepare people because people still haven't come back to the numbers they were used to. And where did all these people go? And I think they left because their, their faith was attached to a church attendance. It wasn't attached to Man, I'm, I want to really know God's word and know who he is. And I think that's such an important part. Awesome. That's good. I like yeah. that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. What else you got here today? All right. So another one is uh, what What do you wish when you when you talk to the leaders, you know, whether the young, old or whatever, just other leaders that are doing this, uh, what do you wish uh, we would be asking more? <laughs> what are we missing question. that we're not asking? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh well, I, a couple thoughts. Um, I don't think that, you know, I'm older than you, so your generation below. I, here's one area where I think we're really missing. We are not, we are not asking the question of, we are not asking the question or making the statement of this. We are not calling out the called. So what I mean by that is this, is, if you back up in my day, when you're in the youth group, everybody felt called to ministry. Like we're all called to ministry. We weren't all called to ministry, but we're all called to ministry, you know, because it was just sort of this thing that you would pursue. And I don't know if we're asking the right questions of who's going to lead this thing called the local church 10, 20, 30 years from now. Um, in Ohio, uh, there's a denomination that's got about 300 churches in their denomination and they have 11 full-time youth pastors in Southern California. There's a denomination that has 500, uh, churches and they have 30, I think it's 33 or 34 full-time youth pastors. Recent statistic I read said that there's 40% less youth groups than there was 10 years ago. Thri you know, real youth groups, not wow. three people meeting in a house, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if kind of that under 40 group is, and then under 30 and under 20, I don't know if we're calling out the called. And I'm wondering, okay, if you got just, you know, I love baseball. So if you don't got anybody in the bullpen, you don't have anybody that's going to be able to go to the mound and take the ball. And if you got 40% less youth groups and only 11 youth pastors out of 300 churches, where's the bullpen coming from? And I don't know if we as, you know, the young youth pastors of today that, the young lead pastors of today, if they're asking the question of not about today, if they're asking the question of where's this baton going to, as I get older. Uh, and I think that is a big, big problem, uh, that I don't think enough people are asking. And I think it's a sleeping giant. I think it's a big one. That's good. <laughs> so if the, for those that are asking that, what, what are we supposed to be doing right now? Right. To prepare for, Obviously, 
that's going to be a big shift in our culture when the older pastors do retire or, you know, yeah. the baton is yeah. passed. So maybe yeah. what are churches doing now that are doing really well? And what should we be, if we're asking that question, yeah. what is the next step now? Yeah, that's great. I, I think there's a few things. One, I think that um, uh, a few thoughts. One, I do think that we have to start calling out the called. Uh, and I think that's a, here, here's what I think. I think it's a, a church boom. Like we were, we were talking about that a lot, uh, over the last few months. Like, how do we help be part of that answer? And the one thing I want to start helping pastors with is look, you got to start calling out the cult. Okay. And it's not just youth groups, you know, uh, the guy, uh, there's a couple of guys on, 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 on my own world in the South Hills world that they didn't even enter into the ministry until they were 28 or 30, you know, and, thinking about that, like, okay, well, let's call out the call. Then we, we immediately go to the 15, 16, 17 year old, which is important. But also what about the 25, 30, 35 year old who's sitting in your church, who is called to more than just helping out at the church? Maybe they are called. And I think part of that is one is calling out the called. And so recognize the problem, call out the called, and then create a pathway. What does that look like? What does it look like to, for you as, as your church to go, I think there's three guys in my church that are called to more than just, you know, I don't know, being an usher or even being a board member. It's like, they, they're just more in their life. Uh, calling out the called, having those conversations, looking for those people to start raising up future ministers in our own church, creating our own bullpen, creating our own pathway. And then what does that strategy look like? Hey, how do how are we going to mentor them into ministry? How are we going to create the academic approach into ministry? Uh, are we going to do some online stuff with them? Like there's got to be a pathway that says, look, we as a church, I, as I'm speaking as if I'm Eric Montoya, I, Eric Montoya, I've got to say, how do we help be part of this pro this answer? How do we raise, call out the called? Not just with our 15 year old, but with our 25 year old, 30 year old, 35 year old who may be called the ministry, but no one's tapped them on the shoulder and said, I see something in you. And then once we do that, okay, where are we going to move them to? Because it's two things. One, you got to create a pathway academically, mentoring. How are we going to do that? You got to figure that out. And I think there's two, two wins in that. One, I think there's a win for you, Eric, and anybody that's listening to this podcast to be like, hey, I can be a part of the solution. This is clearly a problem. The stats I gave him two minutes ago are clearly a problem. So I can be a part of the solution for the big C, the local church. But you know what else? While you're being a part of the solution for the big church, man, you're raising up future ministers for your own church, for your own multi-site, for your own whatever next step it is. It is, there's two major wins when you, when you identify the problem and say, yeah, that's actually a problem. When you start calling out the called, which we do not do enough, and then mentoring an academic figure out a pathway, the big church is going to win because we're being a part of the solution. And then your own local church wins because all of a sudden you wake up two years from now and go, I've got about 10 guys on our team that are called to ministry and have been become licensed ministers. And now I'm utilizing them and you're creating your own bullpen. It is a win-win for the local church and for the big church at, at heart. Identify it, call, calling out the call, which we don't do, and create the pathway. We have to do that. It's a must. That's good. Yeah. I, I would love to hear more yeah. maybe in the future just of like those, what are those those practical things you guys did uh, to do that, right? Because yeah. you have a ton yeah. of leaders around you. 
And so what are some simple, you know, stories, things like that, maybe in the, another podcast, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's great. That's great. I, I you know, and I, I, I'm very passionate about it, uh, Eric. I really am. Uh, it's become a church boom thing where, because we feel we're doing a big rescue initiative, and we've got a lot, tons and tons of churches in our rescue initiative, churches that are dying that we're trying to help revitalize and help the pastor and all that. But it's it occurred to us over the last few months in our lead team. Okay, we're rescuing in the present, which is great, but we got to rescue in the future. Like. What's 10 years from now going to look like? Like, this is not looking good when you start thinking about the stats that I just gave a minute ago. You know, uh, that those are some alarming stats. And we've got to figure out, we've got to figure out something. And we've got to figure out, we've got to get more people calling out the called. Uh, that's for sure. So anyway, man, is there anything else you want to chat about? That, that, yeah, I know that was good. Um, I appreciate your time. Thanks for taking your time to oh, do this. Absolutely. Oh, man, that's absolutely well, awesome. Always good seeing you, dude, and uh, always good hanging out with you, man. I appreciate you, your heart. You got an amazing church in Santa Fe, and you definitely are an incredible leader. So, Thanks, Pastor. Thanks so much, dude. Thank you. Thank all you for right. all you do, too.